Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Britson. I'm your host. Coming up on this episode, we will be joined by Jared Dubin to look at uh, talk some Russell Wilson rumors, news, and also to look at the future of the Chiefs and the Buccaneers and what the two Super Bowl teams might do this offseason. But very quickly, uh, wanted to uh, take a second and pay tribute to and remember the late Marty Schottenheimer, who died on Tuesday morning, his family announced he was in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, he had been battling Alzheimer's for a, uh, for a pretty significant period of time, I believe, uh, and, and finally passed away. You know, he's a, um, look, it, there was a little controversy involving the Washington Post and a headline that they put up, uh, criticizing his, his lack of playoff wins. And I think it really, I don't know if that speaks to the general perception of Marty Schottenheimer, but when you talk to people who played for him and who coached with him, um, you know, he, he really is, and I hope maybe it'll be post-mortem, but probably should be a Hall of Fame coach. I mean, he has 200 career wins, one of seven coaches to, to hit that number. Um, Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, the other two, you know, currently active guys, and then four who are in the Hall of Fame, Don Shula, George Hollis, Tom Landry, and Curly Lambeau. So, I mean, like, it's a pretty exclusive club. And Andy Reid and Bill Belichick are lockjob first ballot Hall of Famers. So you do kind of wonder, like, what does a guy have to do? You know, clearly a Super Bowl um, will boost your, you know, resume. Schottenheimer has more wins as a head coach than Chuck Knoll, Bill Parcells, and Bud Grant, all of whom are in the Hall of Fame. He made the playoffs in 13 of his 21 seasons as a head coach. It's the fifth fifth most playoff appearances among head coaches in NFL history. Um, people, he won 62% of his games with the Browns. And I know that the Browns were better before they, you know, before they left for Baltimore and, um, you know, and all that, but like 62% of your games with the Browns is, is pretty stunning. And, you know, two straight AFC championship games with the drive and the fumble occurring against him, you know, uh, when John Elway, the first one, Elway marched down the field and, you know, wins the game for the Broncos and then Ernest Beyer f- fumbles, you know, while about to plunge into the end zone for a win. So it's, it's not like his team's curled up and choked in the playoffs. You know, they, they had some really bad luck. And then, you know, I mean, I've talked about, I've talked about this game all the time, the 2006 divisional round when he coached the Los Angeles, Char- excuse me, the, the, now is when I get it right. The San Diego Chargers and uh, they lose to the Patriots after Marlon McCree picks off Tom Brady. And then Ty Law creates a fumble and the Patriots get it back and Brady wins. I mean, that's not like Marty Schottenheimer not coaching his team well. It's, it's bad luck against an all time great that catches a bunch of breaks. That team went 14 and two that Chargers team did. And Marty Schottenheimer with Philip Rivers, by the way, and Marty Schottenheimer was fired after that game, which is pretty wild. Uh, Chargers have, you know, not had a whole lot of success since then, by the way, but, but you probably already knew that. Uh, he made three conference championship games. 86, 87, and 93. Um, he has the second most wins as a head coach in Chiefs history, 101. They went to 10 playoff appearances from 89 to 98. Um, and his coaching tree is crazy robust. You know, it, it, you know, Bruce Arians, who just won the Super Bowl, 
he gave him his first job. Bill Cower, who won a Super Bowl in Pittsburgh, and Tony Dungy, among uh, notable coaches, along with others. Arians was uh, a uh, running backs coach with Schottenheimer from 89 to 92. Cower was his uh, special teams coach secondary in DC from 85 to 91 in Cleveland and Kansas City. And Dungy was a DBs coach in that same stretch with, um, you know, with, with Arians. I mean, like, you know, these are, this is a guy who had a knack for finding talent, a very kind man who by all accounts, um, you know, uh, I, in my opinion is just underrated. Like I get the, the Marty ball stigma. You know, he loves to run the football and it, you know, carried himself over a friend of the podcast, his son, Brian Schottenheimer, who was, you know, former Seahawks running Seahawks offensive coordinator, you know, love to run the football. That's, that's the approach. And, uh, you know, maybe it doesn't work in modern times and maybe as football sort of evolved, people were less and less inclined to appreciate it, but the dude just won football games and he inspired people and, um, it is a shame that he is somebody who won that often and that much is, you know, unfortunately pegged with, you know, stigma of not winning in the playoffs when he went five and 13. You know, that's not great, but you know, three of those games, you know, never made a Super Bowl, but three of those seasons ended in crazy fashion and, you know, where the teams would have made the playoffs or what could have easily made the Super Bowl and easily won a championship. As you know, we'll talk to Dubin about it's hard to win titles and, yeah, you know, Marty Schottenheimer never got one, but a probably a pretty uh, worthy Hall of Fame coach. And unfortunately, it may it, if it happens, it will be uh, without him able to see it. R.I.P. Marty Schottenheimer uh, gone at the age of seventy-seven. All right, now to join us to break down some NFL news and the futures of the Bucks and the Chiefs. Good friend of the show, Jared Dubin. Dude, what's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm doing all right, man. How are you? I'm not bad. I can't complain. Um, we got a little like Bodie's in the, in the house. One yeah. of our, uh, it is Bodie, right? Yeah, it's Bodie. Yeah. He, uh, I live right above the walkway to the dog park in our building. It's like a small little dog run and he's staring out the window at these dogs walking there right now. It's amazing. He's, I mean, he is in very, he's staring like Russell Westbrook, uh, yeah. out, <laughs> out at the dogs. Uh, if you want to see, uh, Dubin's dog sit in his lap and stare at a window, Make sure and go to youtube.com slash pick six and you can do just that. Uh, let's, we're going to talk about the Bucks and the Chiefs as mentioned, but first let's get to Russell Wilson because the Seahawks quarterback has made some news. Uh, first, first reported by the way, by Jason Lock and Four, our CBS Sports NFL insider. He said on, um, Monday night, this is Wednesday, yes, on Monday night that Russell Wilson's camp, quote, has grown increasingly frustrated by the Seahawks' inability to protect the eight-time Pro Bowler. He's been sacked 394 times in nine seasons. This situation warrants serious monitoring. Now, some people questioned, you know, the what JLC was trying to say. It became very clear on Tuesday, dudes, because Russell Wilson came out on the Dan Patrick show and did a couple of things. One, when asked about trade rumors, he said, you have to ask the Seahawks. Two, he said, um, that they do need to get better at protecting him. And three, he said he'd like to be more involved in the personnel moves a la Tom Brady. Is this Russ having some FOMO? Like, you know, watching Tom Brady win with the Bucks? Is that, what do you, what do we think? What do we think about all this? I think it's a lot of different things. You know, I, I do think that obviously the Seahawks not being able to protect him, especially against teams with like really good interior pressure, like the Rams has been a consistent issue over the years. You know, not that any team can really protect well against 
Aaron Donald, but I think, you know, specifically against interior rushers, they've had a lot of issues keeping him well protected. And for a guy like Russ, who's, you know, maybe six foot on a good day, that's a bigger issue when the pressure comes up the middle than it is when when it comes around the edge because it, it, it forces him off of his spot and it takes him, you know, a little bit longer to see where the defense is. And it's not like the Seahawks have invested all that heavily in their offensive line over the years. I can't remember whose tweet it was earlier, but I saw someone where, you know, they've been in like the bottom 10 in offensive line spending in like six of the last seven years. And it's not like they're investing, you know, premium draft picks and offensive linemen either. A lot of times they're, they're trading down or they're picking, you know, even more linebackers. But I think we've also seen over the last few years a lot more research come out about how sacks in large part are a quarterback stat just as much, if not more, than they're an offensive line stat. Mm. And, I mean, when was the rest the last time you can remember Russell Wilson taking the snap, hitting the top of his drop, and just letting the ball go? Doesn't happen. Yeah, it never happens. Like, yep. he takes a lot of time back there. Part of it is because he's small. Part of it is because, you know, the improvisation is key to his style and part of what makes him so good, but he does bear some responsibility in terms of him getting sacked really often and even being under pressure really often. But they also just the way their offense is designed and the, the, the lack of resources they put in the offensive line is it all combines into one. So maybe if, if what he wants personnel wise is more investment in the offensive line or, you know, more investment in, you know, in terms of play calling, calling more like quick game stuff, I can't remember the Seahawks having like a quick game. They'll throw like two step slants to DK Metcalf, but that's about it. Yeah. And I mean, you know, look, we'll have to see what happens with Shane Waldron now and his offensive coordinator and what he decides to do. But presumably he's, you know, he's not exactly going to be running like 42 bubble screens a game based on what we've seen from, you know, McVay and, and the Rams offense. Like it, I mean, I do, I do, I think that the Waldron addition will be good, you know, assuming that he implements, you know, concepts from McVay's offense because it's you know it's run heavy but also you know uses so much play action but I'm just not sure also how different that is like I I guess I guess I sort of wonder do you think this is I don't know if this is Russ actually pointing out things I mean I guess they are technically fairly true but I feel like it's frustration born out of the idea that he 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 believes he can be the greatest of all time um, and he probably, you know, watching Tom Brady win his seventh Super Bowl, realized that he can't get there and that he is, you know, stuck on one Super Bowl, which, you know, there's a lot of great quarterbacks with one Super Bowl. There's plenty of great quarterbacks with no Super Bowls. But if you're a Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, you know, and you get him, you get some truth serum in him and you say, all right, you win one Super Bowl for your career. Are you, are you, are you satisfied or disappointed? I think they're definitely going to answer disappointed, right? Oh, no doubt. Especially with Russ having won so early right. in his career. And then being um, on the doorstep of the, of the second one, you know? Yeah. And I mean, a, a lot of the thing with Russ too is early in his career, he was a, a very low volume quarterback, but the type of efficiency he's had in more recent years where he's been at higher volume was already there when he was a lower volume passer. And that's kind of what gave people the idea that he could keep it up throwing more passes it's not the type of thing where like you know if if russell wilson throws 650 passes it's going to be dramatically less efficient than if he throws 450 uh it's a minimal difference if any and i think we saw that especially early in this season when you know they bought into the let russ cook movement he was basically setting the league on fire and then there was a couple of games where the defense was so bad 
that he basically decided I have to do literally everything and score a touchdown on every play. And he threw a bunch of picks in like a three game span. And they were like, all right, we're shutting this down. We're going back to the offense we used for the last eight or nine years. And I think his frustration is largely that like, he doesn't want to play in an offense where he's in a cocoon and he's being protected or where they think he needs to be protected. And then all of a sudden it gets to third and 12 and they're like, all right, Russ, make something happen. Or it gets to the fourth quarter and they're down by 10 points. It's like, all right, Russ, make something happen. He wants to be trusted to be the one driving the success all game, I think. And in order to do that, I think he has to be better protected than he's been for the majority of his career. They also have to throw different kinds of passes than he's thrown for a lot of his career. And, you know, a lot of that is on him just in terms of being able to willing, being willing to hit the top of his drop and get rid of the ball and being willing to, to take the seven yard curl if it's open and not necessarily trying to hit a home run on every play. But a lot of it is on the offensive coordinator or the scheme or on Pete Carroll's overall philosophy and especially on, you know, their lack of investment in the offensive line in front of him. Yeah. And it's entirely possible that, you know, um, Russ is just sort of myth that maybe they didn't come to him about, yeah, like he sees, Again, how Tom Brady did, what Tom Brady did in Tampa, how he comes in and they're, you know, and I've been saying this for, since, since before the season. Now I wish I'd picked the Bucks to win the Super Bowl because I was, I was just bullish on the whole situation. Like I said, Brady picked the Bucks because Arians and Jason Light, Bruce Arians and Jason Light are going to let him collaborate. He wanted to be part of something. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm sure that Russ talked to Tom leading up to the, you know, to the Super Bowl and, and throughout the year. And I'm sure that he mentioned that. And I'm sure that's something that Russell Wilson is, is intrigued by. Uh, then you add in the fact that Deshaun Watson is out here along with other quarterbacks, you know, Matthew Stafford got his trade. I'm not saying that Russ wants to leave Seattle. I just think he wants, I think he, we've talked about this on the podcast. Sometimes when you start your career in a certain place, you are not going to be treated in a way. A hundred percent. This is, this has happened with Russell West for uh, with Russell Westbrook with Russell Wilson for years because he was a third round pick because he's five foot eleven. There is still this idea that he needs to be protected, that he needs to be in this cocoon, that he's not an elite quarterback. I think you're seeing the same thing happen with Dak Prescott, where like he's pretty clearly the best quarterback from that 2016 class. And if hit if it was him that had gone number one or number two instead of Carson Wentz and Jared Goff, this, this contract's done. Like two the contract years. was done two years ago. And there's never any discussion about which of them is the best player. I think you're seeing a lot of the same things happen with Russ. Like there were people still not willing to say that, that Wilson was better than Andrew Luck, even though it was fairly obvious throughout their entire careers. He just outplayed Luck from the very beginning. Um, and, and I think he's also like, he is the quality of quarterback that merits a big investment in the infrastructure around him, like the one that Brady got in Tampa. So a lot of that infrastructure was there already, obviously, with Mike Evans and Chris Goblin. And I think three of the five offensive linemen were there already, too. But, you know, they went and they picked uh, an offensive lineman in the first round. They signed Gronk. They signed Antonio Brown. They drafted another receiver, Tyler Johnson, in I think the third or fourth round. They brought in multiple running backs who could do different things and didn't make them the centerpiece of the offense. They fit them into what they wanted to do with Brady. I know you, you see the same thing. In Kansas City, granted, Mahomes was sort of like the last piece there because sure. they had a good offensive line. They had Tyreek Hill. They had Travis Kelsey, and then they went and got him. They they need to re-fortify some of that group around him now, especially along the offensive line. But it, it's not like they haven't made investments in putting the pieces around him. Look at what the the Bills did for Josh Allen, for example. I was going to use that next. They, Nobody they from that offensive line. But yeah. 
The like, only guy left from that offense when Josh Allen was a rookie is Deion Dawkins. That's Every great. other piece they upgraded. They and, went and got John and, Brown. And Russ, is on, this, Russ they, is on this level. Like the Seahawks should be, instead of trying to find some pass rusher in the, like, I understand you want your defense to be better. It needs to be better. Don't get me wrong. But like, you know, go get just do whatever you got to do to put stuff around Russell Wilson. Cause you got, what's he? 30. I think he's 31. 31. I mean, I you probably got a while left in his career, but you, you don't want, I don't, this is, this is, I think this has always been the frustration 32. with Ross is that we're not with Ross, but with the Seahawks is that, you know, it's like you guys are, the question is, are you winning nine to 12 games a year in spite of yourselves? You know, like if, yep. if you're winning nine to 12 games a year because you just happen to have Russell Wilson, you found him. That's great because you did find him, but you know, this, you want to be the team that is dominant, that is, you know, giving yourself a legitimate Super Bowl shot every year. And it doesn't feel like they've had that in the postseason just because of how they've looked the last, I mean, you know, they, what they beat the Eagles and then, you know, the loss of the Packers and didn't look great two years ago. And then this year just looked awful against the Rams. I mean, yep. very uninspiring playoff performances and you can understand his frustration. I mean, I think a lot of it is just the overall philosophy. Like they're playing football with a, with a philosophy that comes from like Pete Carroll's first stint in the NFL. You know, like you don't win in the NFL by establishing the run. That's just not how it works. It's been disproven over and over. You have to throw the ball well and you have to stop the other team from throwing the ball well. And once you're ahead, then you can run to run the clock out. Right. And they have the ability to do that with, with Russell Wilson, with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Like, it's also like, it's not illegal to have more than two good wide receivers, you know? Like, you could, you can have more than two receivers on the field. Look at a guy like Robbie Anderson, who the Panthers went and got, who, you know, would have provided them with, you know, another guy who can both stretch the field and make plays in short areas. The Panthers got him for basically nothing. Like, yeah. what did he get? Eight million dollars or whatever on the free agent market? The Seahawks couldn't have done that. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, anyway, yeah, I agree. I mean, like you're like, you got lucky with DK Metcalf. Don't get me wrong. Incredible ad. But like if Tyler Lockett goes down and then defense is just, you know, hone in on DK, you know, you need more options besides David Moore and Greg Olson. I mean, it's just, you know, like stop spending your first round picks on Rashad Penny guys. Like what are you doing? Uh, all right. Let's take or a break. on we- another off ball linebacker. That's like your fourth linebacker. Right. You have like 15 off-ball linebackers and your defense is terrible. Maybe stop. Um, all right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the Bucks and the Chiefs' futures. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
So the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 9-1 to one to win Super Bowl 56, 4.5-1 to, to win the NFC tied with the Green Bay Packers. Um, I actually heard, I think, John Murray of the Westgate, or the Superbook, I guess, on with uh, our pal Nick Costos and Lockie Lockerson on their You Better You Bet uh, show, and he said that they got some just enormous bets on the Buccaneers the day after the Super Bowl. Like, apparently dudes come in and just lay lunkers after the Super Bowl, you would hope, you know, you would think that they would, uh, do that, you know, like on, on not the teams that just won the Super Bowl, but whatever. Yeah. You would think they would do it before the Super Bowl so you could actually get that payoff the next day. Right. Well, yeah, do that. <laughs> I've seen, like, you know, Todd Furman pointed out last year around this time that the Buccaneers were a good pick at 60 to one. You know, he was just a great call. That was before the Brady thing, right? Um, you think people would be going out and, and, and hammering, you know, not just the team that just won the championship because the Bucks have $28.9 million in cap space available, but they have a lot of free agents out there, Dubin. What do you think, uh, where, where, where should their priorities lie? So, I mean, I think that they have to without. I'm, I'm sorry. I should, I should point out, um, notable free agents, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, Leonard Fournette, Levante David, Shaq Barrett, and Indomitian Sue. Those guys are all important. Yeah, I mean, to me, the most important thing is by the franchise tag deadline, already having at least one of Chris Godwin and Shaq Barrett signed to a deal so that you can franchise Agreed the other one if if you haven't reached a deal with them yet. Like, to me, very clearly, Barrett, Godwin, and Levante David are the three guys that they absolutely need to have back in, in contention like they were this year, you know, so, Godwin is. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I agree. I agree completely. Barrett, starting on Barrett, I think is really interesting because he is an older, you know, he's a, I think he was, what do you former first round pick? Yeah. Um, got to be six years ago now. Yeah. And he's and he, older. He, he wasn't like, good. No. He, when he, he signed was with a, the Broncos. He signed a one year, $4 million deal with the Buccaneers last season, blew, or two, you know, in 2019, blew up. They franchise tagged him for 2020. He played out the tag. And so now you'd have to give him 120%. I just sort of wonder, will Shaq Barrett be willing to take less than elite pass rusher money on the open market in order to keep playing in Todd Ball's system? Because he works really well on that system. You know, like you could see him signing somewhere where they just plop him down as a, you know, three, a four, three end and he just doesn't have as much success. So I think it, I think that's, that to me is the, the biggest crux of it. Is he, is he, is he, and like these guys should want to come back and play with Tom Brady, you know? Mm-hmm. And they, he just took him to a Super Bowl after like years of losing in Tampa Bay. I just sort of wonder if Shaq Barrett might be willing, although Shaq Barrett might have two rings. Did he win with the Broncos? Yeah, let me look. Um, at any rate, like, what, do you, did they I win mean, 14, 15? If, if it was 14 or 15, he was there. Yeah. I think um, he was, let's see. Yeah. They won in 2015. So he, it was his second year. Two time Super Bowl champion. That's right. Shaq yeah. Barrett. Um, yeah, I just sort of wonder, like, do you think, how do you think he'll approach, I mean, maybe it's impossible to know until we get there, but do you, do you think he'll approach it as like, all right, maybe the cap's down. I'm going to sign a two year deal with Tampa that gives me a chance to, you know, like not like leave after one. I, I don't know how you would structure it. Cause I don't think Tampa wants to do a one year deal. Um, and I don't think you tag him. I think you tag Godwin if you tag anybody, right? Yeah. I mean, it just depends who you can get signed to a long term deal and then you tag the other one if you can't get them. To sign, like I would be trying to hammer out long-term deals with well, both of them. Two or three uh, guys I, and then tag David, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you gotta get all of them signed to me. 
Um, the one that you quote unquote need the least might be Godwin just because he's 24, man. It, no, um, like he's really good. Need, they should, I know what you mean. 1, like for, for Tom percent. Brady's for, to win it, to repeat his Super Bowl champions. Maybe the guy that is least important of those three could be Chris Godwin in 2020. But if you're investing long term in these players, Godwin's the better asset at his age. Oh, a hundred percent. And like, he's so good. Like, and it's such a weapon to have like a big slot guy. You know, not that he's enormous, but like when you have that big slot who can win inside, like Michael Thomas, when you line him up in the slot and you just can't cover him because he's got a big body and, and he's quicker than opposing defensive backs. Godwin is sort of in the same mold and he can play on the outside too. Like he's such a good, such a good player, such a versatile player. Like you really need all of them back. And then I mean, Levante David might be like the best coverage linebacker in the league. still right now a decade into this thing, he's, he's got to be like maybe 30, 31 at this point. He's been in the league for what, 10 years or so, but he's still so good. And I mean, we saw how good he was in the Super Bowl. He was just absolutely all over Travis Kelsey the entire game. And then, you know, just so much of what makes that defense good is Barrett and JPP coming off the edges. Like, I don't know that they have a replacement for Barrett, you know, and it's not like if they go draft an edge in the first round, he's going to suddenly just be Shaq Barrett, you know, and it's not like there's another guy, not that they knew Barrett would turn into this when they signed him for like 5 million or whatever in 2019, but it's not like there's another guy where you could say, oh, you know, we'll get him for five million this year and he'll do that for us. That's not a thing right now, you know? So I think they definitely need all three of those guys back. And I would be way less concerned with any of, you know, Antonio Brown, Gronk, Fournette. Um, Sue is important, but they do still have, or is Steve McClendon a free agent? I know they traded for him midseason. I think he is. They, I would say they, they ideally want at least one of those two guys back in, in Sue. And McClendon to to play. He signed a one year deal with the Jets before last year. Yeah. Um, Um, Sue to me feels like the most likely guy to make a a business decision in the sense of I want to live in a a state with no income tax and play with Tom Brady for a chance to win another Super Bowl. Just because he was a first round, you know, he's a number two overall pick, and under the old CBA, he's like buddies with Warren Buffett. You know, so I mean, like, I I don't think Sue is like like hell bent on maximizing his price tag yeah. and free he's hit free agency like five times i mean i just think he's i think he's willing to sign a one-year deal for good money to play with tom brady yeah i mean i would think so and i mean to play on the same defensive line as as barrett and jpp and vita bay it makes his life pretty easy too like look what he had to deal with when he was uh in detroit didn't have that kind of help alongside him obviously and vita bay are to... a perfect combo too because you oh, have yeah, one yeah. one guy who just is a massive man that soaks up tons of blockers and but can rush and vea and then sue who's like the like the ultimate inside or i guess baron donald is but you know sue's like the ultimate yeah. inside pass rusher yeah i mean i would think out of the the group of guys that we talked about fournette is probably the least likely to be back because i would imagine that gronk and antonio brown are just gonna be like I'll play with Brady again. I don't know how many other teams would even have interest in Antonio Brown. Um, Well, Gronk, uh, Gronk has said he's basically just coming back if it's to play with Brady. Right. Like he, like he's, that's the only thing he's doing. And then with Brown, I agree with you. I think that people would be less likely to sign him. I also think Antonio Brown is probably pretty likely to want to keep playing with Tom Brady. I mean, yeah. he just won him a, won him a Super Bowl, scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl, 
he like brings him into his house. He brings him onto all his teams. I like it, it, it. I don't know. Like where else is? Why would Antonio Brown want to risk going anywhere else? Yeah, I mean, I guess I also money. Don't know how many other teams would be willing to take the risk on him either at this point. Yeah, I mean, literally, he's you can rule out like a fourth of the NFL. <laughs> I mean, I mean, seriously, like you can like. Uh, I think it's optimistic to think that the, a quarter of the teams in the NFL care that much. <laughs> about no i'm saying like you can rule out the raiders you can rule out the oh. steelers you can rule uh, out the bills uh you can probably rule out the patriots at this point um you can uh and then like, already an eighth of the teams so right that's what i'm saying and then but then like take take care of like some bottom feeder teams that he's just not going to go play for who aren't going to pay him and mm-hmm. you know it's pretty I, I don't know i think you can get there fairly easily but sure there, there could be a market for antonio brown um, I think it's more than likely that he sticks with Tom Brady because, by and large, Tom Brady has that cachet to sort of cloak his off-field problems. I mean, like, I, they didn't catch much flack at all for having Antonio Brown on the Bucks this year. Yeah, um, I think that that says more about um, those of us covering them. the league than it does about the Bucks or about Tom Brady. You know, I'm just saying that, like, we keep, like, blitzing, like, blasting Antonio Brown for – what he does off the field, and then Tom Brady just keeps bringing him back into the fold. I mean, although Russell Wilson wanted him too, so I don't know. Yeah, um, I think that players care more more about winning than they do about what most guys do off the field. Um, it's, I think, a big part of our job to make sure that it doesn't go unmentioned and uncovered. You know, same thing with, with Tyreek Hill, where it's like, you know, you'll hear – He's had some issues off the field, yeah, and that's about it. You know, like once a game or once every few games. Uh, there was a good story about it, uh, in I think it was in SI last week about a, a Danish journalist that came to the Super Bowl to cover um, Sorry Kill, and yeah, and was confused about why nobody talks about it. Right. And I think that that was spot on. That's it's a fair point. Um, Arians, Bruce Arians has said he is definitely coming back, and he said, I have all the trust in the world in GM Jason Light and what he would do. These guys, they have a bond. There will be dollars involved. But I think that this group is so, so close that sometimes dollars don't matter. We're going to do everything we can to get the dollars right, too, because they earned it. Um, Leonard Fournette, did we mention Fournette? Did you mention Fournette? Yeah, I said I think that just out of those guys, is probably the least likely to be back. You know, he's made the least amount of money out of those guys probably, or no, Goblin's probably made less because he wasn't a number four pick. Yeah, for that, I mean, yeah, for that's made good money is by being, you know, a top, is he a top yeah. pick? Yeah, but I mean, Goblin is also, you know, considerably better relative to his position and more likely to be paid and more likely to be paid more because he plays a position that matters more. Well, see, that uh, was the plus, thing with Fournette that I was thinking, like, he might, there might not be any money for him out of the market. Right, but it's also like, if he wants, say, you know, $8 million for next season, like, why would the Bucks give him that? They just showed that you could get Leonard Fournette's for nothing, <laughs> right? And and have them play really well in the Super Bowl. Like, and you know, Ronald Jones it, was played well in the Super Bowl too. Yeah, he's a good player. Yeah, I think he'll come. You know, third year in Bruce Arians' offense, maybe he starts to come along a little bit better. And he got banged up, and they just <laughs> drafted a running back last year too. Not that he did all that much this year, Keyshawn Vaughn, but yeah. you know they have him too. Yeah, I I wouldn't if if Leonard Fournette will come back for somewhere between what. Four and six two million? and four million dollars. Like, yeah, why would they four. pay any more than that? You know, like especially with all the guys they have to pay, like it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. I'm just if I'm, if you're Leonard Fournette, I mean, I guess it depends on who's who's out there. But like, if the Jets want to give you six million, 
and the Bucks are willing to give you three million. Probably stay with the Bucks, right? Uh, I mean, I would take the six million. Like, <laughs> I'm just trying to do the math on like the state taxes, and then like, you know. Yeah. Look, um, I've lived in New Jersey, New York, and Florida. Um, the weather's nicest down there. I would still take six million over three million. <laughs> fair point. Fair point. I, you know what? And Leonard Fournette probably will too. Um, <laughs> although playoff Lenny, man. Uh, all right. The Chiefs, they are the overwhelming Super Bowl 56 favorites at five and a half to one. Understandable. They're just a very short two plus 260 to win the AFC. Um, we were, we did a, a hit on, uh, HQ, me and Jonathan Jones, and we we're asked like, like he, somebody was like, what's, what's, you know, what's the Chiefs top priority? You're like, what's their biggest thing of need? And he was like, uh, and then I was did like, you watch the Super Bowl? <laughs> yeah. When somebody asked me, it was like, offensive line question mark. Like, I don't know. There's nothing, there's no holes. If the offense, if Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz are healthy and, uh, 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 Tardif comes back, it doesn't opt out. It doesn't have one more opted out. Uh, a rookie they drafted. I mean, like you get all those guys back and it's just not a problem anymore. There's no, there's no holes on this roster. Yeah. I mean, uh, both Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz are up after next season. Schwartz getting into his mid thirties now and he's got now a back injury. So mm-hmm. definitely I would think tackle is, has got to be a priority, whether it's just swing tackle or drafting a tackle in one of the first couple rounds of the draft, probably on the, the first two days of the draft. Um, they could still get better on the interior of the offensive line too. I think, you know, you, you can do better than, you know, even if you have all your guys back, Duvernay, Tardif, Wiley, and Austin Ryder. Does a healthy the Chiefs offensive line, a fully, like a, just ignore the pandemic, ignore the injuries. Do, do they beat the Bucks? I mean, they score. A I picked them to win before the game. Like they definitely score a touchdown. Mahomes doesn't have to run 497 yards or whatever that stat from Next Gen Stat was. Um, yeah. It was like he ran 497 yards and Brady ran like 32. I like, can't believe Brady's even that high. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess like if you move off your spot, that's a yard. You know? Were you shocked? Um, I mean, were you obviously shocked by the outcome? Yeah, I mean, I was pretty surprised. Um, not that. If the Bucks were going to win, that's the way I thought it was going to happen. Like just the the defensive line completely dominating the game to the point where they couldn't take their shots downfield, even if they um, even if they wanted to. And that those combination of things sort of took Tyreek out of the game, which is essentially what happened. Um, that was definitely the script that I saw. I just thought that Mahomes was going to be able to overcome it because yeah. he overcomes everything. Yep. You know, like. It was, it was, it was crazy. It was tough to, tough to imagine that happening. Uh, they do have some plenty of, uh, unrestricted free agents, including Sammy Watkins. Man, remember, this is, this is Sammy's third, second bite of the apple. He played out his rookie deal and then signed with the Chiefs. And it's probably underwhelmed. Well, he got, um, it's like his third because he got traded from the Bills to the Rams first. Oh, right, 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 right. He got traded to the Rams. Um, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> that was, remember when he's on the Rams? Um, I anyway, I mean, he's probably underwhelmed on his contract, but I mean he's oh yeah, yeah, he's definitely underwhelmed. But he's I mean he had some big moments in the playoffs. At any rate, Alex Okafor, Daniel Sorensen, Brashad Breeland, Demarcus Robinson, and Le'Veon Bell, all unrestricted free agents. Daryl Williams, a restricted free agent, running back. We're not going to concern ourselves with because they used a first round pick on Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Um, receiver, I don't really panic too much on either. Tyree Kill, Michael Hardman. Um, you know, I think a guy like Demarcus Robinson will probably come back on a cheaper deal. Sammy Watkins could even take 
almost nothing from the Chiefs if he wants to hang around and, and be Kansas City. I'm sure he likes it at this point. We'll see what happens there. The defense is probably more of a concern than anything with the secondary, right? Yeah, I mean, I, to me, Breland is probably the the guy out of that group of six or seven that I would prioritize bringing back. Um, he, he's just a really good player, and obviously they play sides with their cornerbacks, so he takes one side of the field. Charveris Ward takes the other. Um, you know, they could use Rashad Fenton, I guess, in place of Breland, but it's a it's a pretty significant downgrade, I think, to go from from Breland and Ward to Fenton and Ward. And then obviously Glagerius knee was a nice find for them uh, playing the slot. You know, they, they have other safeties besides Sorensen. He's, he's a solid player. If he wants to take, you know, whatever they're willing to give him to come back, I would, I would try to bring him back and keep him as a, you know, rotational second, third safety type. But, you know, Breland to me is the big one. Um, and they, they do need, I think, to, to bring at least one of Watkins and Robinson back. Like you can't just come into the season with three receivers, like Tyree Cardman and Pringle, you know, like, you got to have some depth there. And I think if they don't bring Watkins back, if they bring Robinson back, they, they do need to find another guy still because Hardman, I don't think has shown yet that he's ready to be the number two receiver. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I, I just don't, I guess I don't worry about the receiver position quite as much because it feels like Andy Reid can uncover some gems. Yes. But I think, you know, if they had someone more capable of beating the defense quickly in the Super Bowl, mm. Maybe things go differently, you know? Eh, I don't know. They didn't seem really interested in doing any short stuff. Yeah. I, although, like, if you have somebody else, like Tyreek beat uh, Sean Murphy bunting on that one slant that he took for, like, 30 yards or whatever, you have another guy that could do something like that. No, I'm not saying they don't I'm bit. not saying they don't need some help on the depth chart. I'm just saying, I guess, like, I mean, do they need to go out and upgrade with a Allen Robinson or anything, anything crazy I like mean, that? Do they need to? No. Would it be awesome? Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, true. That's true. Like a Corey Davis would fit really well with him too. You, you know, oh like, yeah, get him on the team. I, I, I think he's going to get paid, he, probably. But yeah. remember, I mean, Andy Reid paid Sammy Watkins, and you know, I, obviously the Chiefs don't have quite as much wiggle room in the cap in, in terms of the cap. But um, you know, I, I do think you can. I mean, they they can make stuff work. Like they had negative, well, they yeah. had like pennies on the dollar before and, and flipped it. Yeah, I mean, look, they. The, the big things are the offensive line, the secondary, and I think they need to get some sort of better compliment to Chris Jones and Frank Clark on the edge because, I mean, Frank Clark, what, for what they traded for him and what they paid him, just not worth the money. Mm. I mean, I think it's you know? a lot of it. Yeah, I mean, they didn't get it out awesome of Frank Clark. What's that? They didn't get it out of Frank Clark. They got it out of Mahomes. Yeah, he was really good in the Super Bowl, though. That defense played. Better. He was. They could have won that with you playing defense event. <laughs> That's fair. Um, what I mean, I'm trying to think of a tar. Who do you go after? I mean, like, there's a lot of edge rushers. I mean, like a Solomon Thomas. I mean, what? It's mm. not bad. He has the flexibility to play inside on occasion. Yeah, that's sort like, of what I was thinking. Um, you know, there's a, there's always got like you know they signed Okafor for what a few million dollars. Like, there's always guys you could get like that, and maybe one of them turns into Shaq Barrett. You know? Um, yeah. There, there's there's plenty of guys out there like Melvin Ingram. Is he willing to come over and and play for you instead Maybe. of the Chargers? Yeah, Bud Dupree. He's, he's an inside outside guy paid. too. Yeah, Bud Dupree probably wants to get paid. Clowney probably wants to get paid. Bring Justin Houston back. Like Justin Houston's just been flat out better than Frank Clark that's, since they made that swap. You know, that's like a good point for less money. Yeah, 
you know, no, Yannick and Gakwe probably wants to get paid. The problem with all these good guys is they all want to get paid. Right. Um, maybe you could bring in Olivier Vernon. Be a good fit. He can play against the run pretty well. Yeah. Leonard Floyd played well this year. Like, go yeah, after Leonard guys. Get paid from, too, I mean, like, I yeah, think you're right. Like, you, the problem is you bring in these edge rushers who, with like, who had decent seasons and they're going to want to get paid. Yeah. That's, that's the problem. Like, maybe Trent Murphy. Not that he's like, the greatest edge rusher in the world, but he's solid, you know, like you bring somebody in and hope they pop. This is basically yeah. what you're saying. Um, like, so on the, um, let's see last year, this time, I don't know if you're on the show or not. I don't know if we did it after the Super Bowl or we did it later in the week, but we were discussing like how many were you on when we were discussing how many Super Bowls, like if you were setting totals for Reed and Mahomes and it felt like, you know, six, was you know, like it felt like three wins. They're like over under three and a half wins, or and over under like five and a half appearances. And I don't know that it changed that much after this loss, but I mean, it just reminds you how hard it is to win a Super Bowl. And now, you know, even a one or a two loss, I guess technically, Chiefs team that you know casually like bandied about opponents for half of a season and then turned it on to the playoffs can still find a way to get upset. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just hard to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, look, injuries happen too. Mahomes got injured in the playoffs. Like if that happens, if that happens around earlier, maybe they don't even make yeah. the Super Bowl. you know? Um, it's also like, I don't know that necessarily my expectation for them in the future has changed that much. Like Mahomes has what, 10 years on his contract. Uh, I would expect that he'll play at least that many. Barring he's, by the way, he's having surgery on Wednesday morning. So if you're listening to this, he's probably already had the surgery on it. Yeah, it's a, on it's his a, turf toe. Yeah, right? it's a, a planter plate, a fractured planter plate, or something like that. But yeah, turf toe basically, which yeah is you're going to recover from it fine with with a full off season, I think. But not exactly the world's greatest injury for a guy that you know, for a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, look he was able to play through it and still move pretty well through, through the, through the entire postseason since he had that injury. Um, it, it's not like I would expect in his thirties, he'll lose some of his athleticism, but it's not like, you know, Aaron Rodgers was a, a, a super athletic quarterback early in his career. Now he's not quite as much. He still moves around really well among the better quarterbacks in the league at moving around. Like, unless you have some sort of traumatic injury like Alex Smith had, you don't lose that much mobility to the point where you just can't move around anymore. Mahomes is going to be able to do that for the majority of his career. And he's obviously so talented and he's with, you know, just about the best offensive coach that there is. Like, I don't know that my expectation for them changed that much. Like he's, he's signed in Kansas city for 10 more years. I would expect he'll play at least those 10 more years in Kansas city, like over under, Two and a half Super Bowls, like I wouldn't take the under. Yeah, like do you I mean, feel the, super I mean, the under, confident that you know, like eight not, teams are going to win a Super Bowl other than them? I don't. Like, yeah. it's not a likely outcome that they'll win three more, but I still wouldn't take the under on two and a half because then, like, all of a sudden they win back to back Super Bowls. They got three of four, you know, and and it's you know it's just like what Brady did in New England. You know, what I mean, like, I mean, obviously a different setup, right. but I mean, you know, when Brady missed the playoffs after they won that first Super Bowl. Everybody's like, mm-hmm. nobody's thinking dynasty. And right. then they rip off the next two and it totally changes everything. So, you know, I, I think given that, yes, we, we, we probably jumped the gun and this is no surprise. This is what we do in football media. We probably jumped the gun on 
talking about a potential dynasty, but then it didn't seem that way. I don't way. know They're, that we did though. Like, I know they got back to the Super Bowl. Like they yeah. should have been three years in a row, really. Yeah. And like, if they don't lose both of their tackles, maybe they win. Like that's none of this is to say the Bucks weren't worthy. The Bucks weren't good. They might not have won anyway. Like, they won. That's really all that matters. Um, but in terms of the, the Chiefs' future, like I think you can make a pretty good argument that if they had their tackles, they might have won again. And then nobody's questioning whether or not there'll be a dynasty. You know, I like, mean, if D Ford didn't go offside against the Patriots in 2018, we might be yeah. Like when it's there's you don't have to like distort reality very much to get to the Chiefs like having won three straight Super Bowls, basically. Yeah, but that's also like. You don't have to distort reality that much to have them having one none either. Sure. You know, Absolutely. like if a jet chip wasp that Mahomes throws that pass a yard further outside and Tyreek doesn't catch it. Or, or what if, what if Jimmy Rabble throws that ball to Emmanuel Sanders a yard further, you know, a yard shorter and he does catch yeah. it. And, you know, it's, there's a, it, like the set, the saying it's a game of inches obviously is, is a cliche and overused, but it is very accurate. <laughs> we need, uh, everywhere. Um, all right any other thoughts on the chiefs off season or uh or anything else from that super bowl that you want to add no i mean they're they're obviously in about as good a spot you could be in going into the future like i don't know that there's any team that should feel better about their future over the next five to ten years than the chiefs like they have the best quarterback in the league um still the most talented quarterback that i've ever seen in my life like they and they have, Harry Hill locked up. they have Kelsey locked yeah. up. I mean, they can, they can extend these guys, but yeah, they need to get him some protection. But I, let me ask you one more thing. We'll get out of here. Do you think in any way that Todd Bowles and the Bucks created any sort of blueprint for slowing down Patrick Mahomes? Yeah. I mean, all you got to do is have the opposing team's best two tackles get hurt and their best guard take the season off. And then you got to have, you know, two of the best. 10 pass rushers in the league, one of whom led the league in pressures this season. You got to have like, and two of the best, like 15 interior defensive line. Yeah. One of whom, and two of like uh, a burgeoning young all pro linebacker, as well as a guy and the best pass coverage linebacker in the league. Um, If you have all of that, you got the blue and and a rookie and a a hard hitting rookie ball hawk safety. Who could would have been defensive player of the year. If not for Chase young, rookie defensive of the year. If not for Chase young. Yeah. Just get all that, slap it together. That's the thing about yeah. the Bucks that's interesting, though. Like, you know, we talk about their, their free agents. It's, oh, this is a big list of guys. But I, I really do think they'll bring Chris Goblin back. I think just because of his age and the fact that they drafted him. Um, I could see Levante David staying in Tampa Bay and just because he, that's where he's been his whole career. And, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, you figure out a way to talk Shaq Barrett into coming back and you've got Vita Vea, Antoine Winfield, Devin White. Like those are, those are three blue chip pieces on a defense. Yeah. Look, they're, they're cornerbacks who coming into last season, not this season, last season were like maligned as maybe the worst group of cornerbacks in the league. I've taken a and step then, forward, sure. Yeah. You know, they, they didn't play well at the start of the 2019 season at all, yep. but down the stretch of the season, they got a little bit better this year. They got a little bit better. Carlton Davis, with the exception of the game that he got absolutely torched by Tyreek Hill for 269 yards or whatever it was, I think played pretty well for the most part. This year, Jamel Dean, when he wasn't being asked to cover double moves, played well this year. Uh, Sean Murphy Bunting might have had the best postseason of the three of them. And th- those guys are all super young, too. I think Carlton Davis might be the oldest of the three, and he's like 25. Yeah. Bucks are in a good spot for the future, too. You know, and they have 
a quarterback who plays younger than Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> so he's 43. <laughs> I, I will uh, say about the Bucks though, defense tends to be less consistent over time right. than offense. So building your team around an elite defense just isn't as solid a proposition as it is building around your offense. Granted, they as if if Brady continues his level of play for the next however long he decides he wants to keep playing, they're gonna be fine. Uh if there's a drop off in Brady's play over the next two, three years, all of a sudden, even though they have all those really good young defensive players, it's not gonna matter if you don't find the right quarterback. We saw that last year where they had a really good defense, one of the best defenses in the league. They were solid up front on, on the offensive line. For the most part, they had really good receivers. Their running game wasn't very good, but it's not like their running game this year was incredible, but Jameis Winston turned the ball over 30 times. So no, nothing else mattered. All of a sudden they bring in Brady, obviously their, their turnover rate as a possession of a uh, percentage of their possessions went from over 20% to under 9%. Yeah. And that's why they were one of the best teams in the league this year, instead of being like six and ten or whatever they were two years ago. Yep, future still bright even with a forty-three-year-old quarterback. What a world we live in! All right, dude, unbelievable. Uh, thanks as always, buddy. Good catching up with you. Incredible season. You put in great work. Uh, we all deserve a rest. But free agency's almost here anyway, so yeah. uh, we'll be um, we'll be we'll be chatting with you soon. Uh, happy birthday yeah. to uh, Bodie. Oh, thank you. It's uh, it's tomorrow. He doesn't know that I got him. Well, it's today for people listening. Oh, today for people listening, I got him a cake that's a picture of him on it. <laughs> oh, that's pretty awesome. We got yeah, some there's frozen this place near me that makes uh, that makes like dog cakes for dogs. I love it. And they sent me an incredible advertisement too. It was a dog wearing a yarmulke. <laughs> oh, nice! And the and the the cake is shaped like a Jewish star That's with the incredible. dog wearing the yarmulke on it. It's unbelievable. All right, we'll put that up on social media. People can go check it out. Uh, dude, thanks as always, buddy. Thanks for having me. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 